I am uh, excited to preach. We're going to get right into it tonight. This is the second week in a row you've heard me. Um, I, I prefer to be like a sweet treat here and there, not, not back to back. So I don't want to take up too much of your time. And this is a good story. I want to let the text speak for itself. So uh, Joshua chapter 10, verse number one. Uh, let's get into reading and then we'll kind of talk about it a little bit. Now it came to pass when Adonai, Zek, king of Jerusalem, had heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and her king, so he had done to Ai and her king, now the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city as one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all the men thereof were mighty. Wherefore, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent unto home king of Hebron, to Piram, king of Jarmuth, and unto Japhia, king of Lachish, and unto Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up with me, help me, that we may smite Gibeon, for it, for it hath made peace with Joshua and, hath the, with, and with the children of Israel. Excuse me. Therefore, the five kings of the Amorites, Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon, the kings, gathered themselves together and went up, they and all the coast, and camped before Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua. The camp of Gilgal. Go, you know, I, I heard it. It took me a second. Uh, of Gilgal, verse number seven. Oh, verse number six. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua to the camp of Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants, but come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the king of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. Let's pray and we'll get into it. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for letting us gather together. Thank you for the book of Joshua and these past 10 Sunday nights we'll be able to really read and dwell in this passage, the story, Lord, and the truths that you've taught us and help us to get something from your word tonight. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I really have enjoyed the story of Joshua. I really enjoyed the narrative of the book of Joshua. Um, I, when I think of Joshua, I, I, the, I was kind of thinking as I was reading this passage, because it really is, to me, it's a story of how God deals with his people while they are dealing with his enemy. God's, the story of how God deals with his people while he is dealing with his enemy. And uh, that's really the story of, of Joshua. It's the story of the, the nation of Israel passing through, retaking the promised land, the land that God promised them, and fighting off the Canaanites, the enemies of God. And I think the book of Joshua has taught us a lot about who God is, who God is. And that's really the story I kind of want to talk about tonight. As you know, where Andy left off last week, the story is they've gone in, they've taken a few cities, they've taken Jericho, they've taken Ai, the nation of Israel. And last week they made a pact with the nation of Gibeon. If you remember the story, if you weren't here, what basically happened was these men were fearful. They were fearful. They'd seen what, what Israel had done. They had seen what was about to be done to them. So they made a plan. They hatched a plan. They, they got some moldy bread, some old clothes, and they tricked Israel into sign, not signing, agreeing to a pact, agreeing to a deal with Israel that they would not destroy them. This is the Gibeonites last week. They said, you are, we are from a far land, and we want to be we want to have peace, and they made peace, and it was a trick, and the Lord, they didn't seek the Lord's counsel, as Andy talked about last week. It was an awesome story. Uh, well, not, not super awesome. It was a cool story, but not super awesome. He, they trick them. They fall for the trick. They get to Gibeon to attack Gibeon, and then they're like, oh, hey, this is actually our place, so you just said you want to attack it, and they're like, okay, well, here we are. 
So they didn't attack it, right? They made a pact. The Lord honors his covenants. Um, so he doesn't attack it. Instead, they make Gibeon, the entire nation, really like indentured slaves. They kind of like, you're going to do these things for us for the rest of your lives. Um, but we won't kill you. That was kind of the pact that they made. And the chapter 9 ends. Chapter 10 picks up. And guess what? The Canaanites are just as scared as they were before. But a different plan. These guys are pretty impressive with their plans. I'm not going to lie. They, they did the moldy bread thing. This week, they're like, we're not going to do the moldy bread trick. They, they've just fallen for that. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to make a pack. These five kings that I read that I'm never going to say again. Never going to say them again. They say, I'm, we're, they're going to kill us. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to band together, and we're going to attack them first. So they band together. This is the passage of the story we just read. They come together, these five kings, and they go to Gibeon. Now, remember, Gibeon was a mighty nation, the text says. Um, when you think of these people who are, like, using moldy bread and this to trick the nation, you don't think maybe it's a small, small country, not much threat. No, no, no. It's a mighty nation. And five more mighty nations gather to Gibeon. So Gibeon sees these kings coming, and they're like, well... We got the Lord on our side now, I guess. So they send, a, they send a messenger to Joshua. They say, Joshua, slack not thy hand from us. It means, brother, you promised us you're going to war with us. It's time to go to war. So Joshua, he, remember they're camped in Gilgal during this time. Uh, that's where they first got to. They've kind of stationed in Gilgal. And they're kind of going from place to place. So they go to Jericho, take it. They go to Ai, take it, kind of camp in Gilgal. So they're back in Gilgal. They go get them. All the men of valor, the men of war come up, and they go to defend the Gibeonites against these five kings. And we're going to pick up in verse number 8. It says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all, all night, and the Lord discomfited them or rooted them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the way that goeth up to Bethron, and smote them from Azekai unto Makkedah. Uh, and it came to pass, as they fled from before Israel, and were in the going down to Bethron, that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them, and they died. There were more which died for with hailstones than they whom the, than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand Thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon, and the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people that had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is it not written in this book of Jashir that so the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day? And there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. And Joshua turned and all Israel with him unto the camp to Gilgal. So Joshua goes down to defend the Gibeonites, and they, it, was a, it was a pretty good win. It's a pretty good win. They go down, they slay them. The Bible says that the, the, the Lord sent hailstones. Well, first, the Lord prophesies this. He said, we're going to win this war. Joshua says, let's go do it. That's before the fight. We're going to talk about that in a sec. He goes down, the hailstones destroy. They said the hailstones killed more of the enemies than the swords of the Israelites did. They're raining down hailstones. This is not like hail like we see. This is hailstones, okay? This is big stones that are killing dudes, killing chariots, killing everybody, okay? They kill them. And then... They begin to chase, okay? These five kings are from five different nations, kind of all spread out. If you look at a map of this, it's cool. They kind of all spread out. So they begin to split up and chase the five kings, okay? As they're chasing them, Joshua makes a wild request. He says, God, make the sun stand still, kind of out of nowhere. God makes the sun stand still, kind of out of nowhere. He makes the sun stand still. He says the moon stays, the sun stays, and for the next 24 hours, they 
finished the enemy. They annihilated the enemy. It says that they, if you keep reading in the chapter, it goes to a place where the five kings hide in the cave. They kind of stone them up. They're kind of waiting for Joshua. And eventually Joshua comes. He kills the kings. Uh, he, he hangs them after. And then it says all the other nations ran until they had gotten to cities with fences. I can just imagine. I watch those like police chase videos and they jump the fence and then you got like the kind of overweight cop trying to get up there. That's kind of what I imagine this went down like. I don't know, but that's what I imagine. So they kind of jump the fences. They're in the cities. And then the rest of the chapter kind of finishes with the nation of Israel going back to all these nations and then some other nations and just wiping them out. This was a, this, this chapter is the wipe them out chapter. Okay, I'm just, keep reading. It's the wipe them out chapter. And we've learned, we've talked about the sovereignty, but he wiped them out, okay? So, awesome story. It's one of those stories that you read and it's just cool. It's one of those stories that you hear about a miracle and you're like, some miracles make sense. Like today, uh, the healing of the man, the leprosy, that makes sense. Like, you know, leprosy, you want to be healed. Just making the sun stand still is cool though. That's not, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't, didn't have, God could have done it any other way, but he just made the sun stand still. That's cool. Hailstones, man, that's cool. And I, I, I like reading this, and I like hearing about the enemy and these schemes and this Joshua. And I just can't help but think, man, our God is a cool, cool God. And not just a cool God. That's not even, that's not even, that's almost like a disrespectful word. He is an awesome God. And the way he deals with his enemies, the way he deals with our enemies, when our enemies are his enemies, is a really cool thing. Really cool thing. So I want to look at three, three quick points, three quick things about God uh, and we can learn from who God is and how he deals with us when we're facing the enemies of our Lord. The first thing is this. He is the God of deliverance. The God of deliverance. Verse 8 is interesting. It says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. Now, if you read this, this is before any battle is fought. It's before any war has taken place. This is before any swords of Majani, blood has been shed, and yet Joshua is promised by God deliverance from his enemy. Before anything happens, before, before anything goes down, he is promised victory. He is promised victory. Now, he was promised to be delivered. Were they delivered? Were they delivered at this time? No, had not been delivered. In fact, they were running toward, you got to think, numbers-wise, they're running toward five kings, five nations. Now, had they just seen Jericho fall? Yeah. Had they just seen Ai fall? Yeah. But they're running toward five full nations who were not being attacked by surprise, but were leading a charge. And before any, while they were surrounded by war, before they had even tasted anything, they were promised deliverance. They were promised deliverance. I, I, I think that's interesting. I, I think as Christians... Um, we're promised the same thing. Uh, pull up Romans 8, 37 through 39, if, if you would for me, Phil. The war is still raging, but the reason, the reason, listen, the reason we live life without fear is not because we've been given victory. We haven't been given victory through salvation, but because we have been promised victory. Amen. We've been promised. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, he has promised victory, but he may not have given it yet. In fact, you may be surrounded by the battle. You may not even have tasted the battle yet, but the promise of victory is still the same. The promise of victory is still the same. Rest in that. It's like this. If I were to take a child 
all my illustrations tonight are about kids. I like, I like, I like having a kid. So if I were to take a child, a young child, a one that can stand and talk, not my kid yet. We're working on it. We're working on it. If I were to take a two-year-old and I were to put them on top of this, you know what, he, to say, you know, I'd come down here, I'd put a two-year-old, and I'd say, come jump, jump down to me. When you put them up there, they would, they would be pretty, hopefully, I mean, unless, I'm talking about a kid that you haven't broken in yet, one that's still scared and stuff. They're kind of like, they're kind of, uh, uh, I like that. I like seeing a little fear. Uh, uh, they don't really know. They don't really know. Do they have a right to be scared? Think about it. Think about it. Yeah. Why do they have a right to be scared? They're surrounded by danger. They're surrounded by danger. But you know what we tell them when we're standing right here? You know what we say or what I say? You're okay. You're okay. Now, are they okay? No. <laughs> They're surrounded by imminent death or at least hurting their head pretty good they're surrounded but here's what we say we say you're okay you know what we do we expect them to trust that they're okay and we expect them to trust that they're okay not because there's not danger not because there's not battle there is battle there is war war's nasty battles are nasty we read these terms like slaughtered and root and all these terms we're like oh yeah he did that's that's not a fun day okay this is massacre Battles all around us, but the reason we expect them to trust is not because the fear is not there, not because the danger is not there, but because the one who has promised them safety, the one who has promised them safety is going to make sure they're safe. See, when we're in the battle, it's easy to see the battle. It's easy to see the war. It's easy to see the bloodshed. It's easy to see the depression, the anxiety, the fear, the worry. And the promise of God still stands. Even when we have a right to be scared, even when we're surrounded, the promise of God that you will be okay because you are the son of God, the daughter of God, is still just as accurate then, even before you've jumped. Even before. Not because there's not fear, but because the one who holds the world in his hands holds you in his hands. He trusts in you. There's deliverance. God is a God of deliverance for his people. Even when enemies are around, even when there's, even when there's right to be scared, he delivers. He delivers. We love to focus on what we see. We love to focus on the world around us. The, the, I think the older the world gets, the more naturalistic we get, the less we believe in supernatural things, the more we want to just see what's right in front of us, we believe what's right in front of us. But not only is the God the God, God, a God of deliverance, but he's a God of supernatural. He's a God of supernatural. And that's kind of a spooky word sometimes. But read that text again, right? As they're going to war, these guys have swords. They know how to use them. We've seen that. God says, no, 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 hailstones. And then he says, no, 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 not just hailstones. When you ask, Joshua asked, which is just, I want to talk about that in a sec, just the, the gall to ask for the sun to stand still should encourage us to pray some big prayers, man. You know, I was, as I was sitting over here thinking, I was praying, we were praying for Jaden, man. That's a, it's a terribly sad story. I, he was one of my professors at school. I love, I love that family. It's a very sad story. I was reading a post the other day, the first post that Matt made since Jane passed. And I was reading it, and I, he was talking about the love of God. He was talking about the faithfulness. He was talking about this testimony of Jaden. You know what I saw? I saw a peace that passed no understanding. I saw a victory that did not make any sense. I saw a supernatural work of God. For someone to post joy when they've just lost their son, that's not natural. That's supernatural. But the good news is we serve a God of supernatural. We do. Now, we don't like to think about it. It makes us feel a little spooky, but it's true. 
Uh, what bothers me is when we, we, we pray for things, we pray for, for God to, we pray for a service, we pray for God to meet, we pray for souls to be saved, and then God does those things, and then we give credit to a preacher or a church. We, we, pray for, we pray for, man, a marriage to be saved, or, or something, to, this great, and then the marriage is saved, and we give credit to a counselor. We pray for healing, right? God, heal this person. God, save, heal them, heal them, heal them. They're healed, we give credit to a doctor. See, the reality is God is supernaturally working all around us, and it's up to us to see it. God's doing it. God's working. He's working in ways we could never fathom or understand. Do you see it? Ask God to show you it because it's there. And give God, when God does these things, give him the credit. I think of it like, I, I think of it like this. When you're like a little, uh, this is another little kid illustration. When you're a little kid, when you're two, three, four, you just kind of, you go to the, and this is, this is my life too. You go to the, uh, what's the, where do we put clothes? Dresser, right? We go to the dresser, pull out the drawer, just clean underwear, clean socks. You don't really know who put it there. You don't really know how it happened. <laughs> but it's there. You go to the fridge, open it up. Snacks, fruit, fruit snacks. Don't really know how it got there, but it's there. You, you go to school, there's gas in the car. You, you go and you give and, you're, and, you, give and you're, you sit down at dinner and a plate comes up. You know, let's eat, you know. It, you're living your whole life kind of like, man, this is great. This is great. But what you don't see and what we often don't see of God is our parents doing all those things for us. And we live the same life with God. We walk day by day and we're like, man, this is great. Oh, man, this is great. Oh, oh, oh. And what, we're, what God is looking down from above, seeing he's doing and placing and working and working, and we're just, ooh, ooh, ooh. In reality, we're the child of God living the victorious Christian life only because of him. Only because of him. We have a supernatural God who is supernaturally working right now in our lives, in your life. So when he works, thank him for it. Ask him to show us more, and we move. Pray big prayers, man. Pray big prayers. The Bible says when you have a faith of the, the faith of a grain of mustard seed, nothing shall be impossible. I believe that. I believe that. It, it takes a, a big God to do big things, but thank, thankfully we got one. Not only is he a God of deliverance, he delivers them. Not only is he a God of supernatural, but thirdly, He's the God of war. He's the God of war. Look at, verse number, look at verse number 14. It says, And there was no day like that day before it or after it, that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. The reality is when the Lord and you are on the same side, and it's up to you to get on his side, not to him to get on your side. When you and God are on the same side, there is no battle that cannot be won. The reality is we are all in battles. We are all in some sort of a battle, whether it's a, whether it's a relational battle, whether it's a physical battle, whether it's, a, whether it's contention, whether it's pride, whatever it's sin, whether it's a lack of faith, whatever it is, there is some sort of battle going on in each one of our lives. If you're like, eh, I feel good. There's no big battle. Well, one's coming, friend, so get ready. There's, we're in battle. Life is a life of battles, spiritual, spiritual battles, real battles, real battles. You're in battle, but God's fighting for you. But God's fighting for you. When you are pursuing God and the things of God and your battles are faced towards him, 
He's fighting for you. He's fighting for you. So rest in that promise. We have a God that cares enough about us to fight for us. It's good to be on the Lord's side. If uh, this, is a, this doesn't need to be illustrated, I think I can just say that. If we had to pick sides, I, I'd pick the Lord's side. But if you're going to like a middle school basketball game, girls, girls middle school basketball game, LeBron James shows up and he's playing on one of the teams, I want to be on his team. Right? Because he's going to win. Yeah, how often do we not choose the Lord's side? How often are the battles we're facing not for the one who's been already given us victory? Fight your battles, yes. Fight with the Lord. Fight with the Lord. Pursue God. Know where he stands. Read the word of God. Know the answers to the questions of your life, and then fight for those answers. And when you do those things, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Matt, you can go ahead. You can go ahead and come on up. I I, this is a beautiful passage of scripture. I love these narratives. We have a big God. I was thinking as I was, uh, I was reading this, I was actually watching a YouTube video of the, like this area of Israel and kind of seeing where everything took place. There was like a drone. It was pretty cool. There was like a drone kind of showing they, these people came from here, these people came from here, and this is kind of where the battle took place. And I was sitting there as they're kind of like sitting on the mountain. I was kind of imagining kind of like this drone's eye view. And I just want to... We can close our Bible. We can do whatever you want. Just think with me for a second here. Use our, let's use our imagination a little bit. The, if you're sitting there as like a third party to this battle, let's just think about it. You're sitting there. Gibeon's getting attacked. These five kings, these big armies are attacking. All of a sudden, this army of Israel comes out. You're sitting there like, oh, dang, it's about to get interesting. They're getting smacked, but oh, Israel's coming. Kind of watch them. All of a sudden, hailstones start flying. You're like, wow. Hailstones start flying, and they're only hitting one army, right? You're like, something's going on here. They start fleeing. You're kind of following. Maybe you have a helicopter. You're kind of following. You're like, man, one side of this is, there's a, this is a pretty one-sided war. I'd really like to be on that side, right? I think we'd, I'd, I'd really like to be on the side of that. Uh, Phil, can you pull up Romans, uh, Romans 5 for me? When I, when I think of, when I think of this, and I look at these enemies, these guys were guys, these kings, they feared God. They knew Israel. They, they feared God not in a sense of like awe and worship. They feared God like God's about to, they, they believed in the power of God. And I'm reading this, and I'm like, man, I just would really hope if I was in here, I'd be on the right side. I'm like, what do I need, what do I need to do to be on the right side? What did these guys do wrong? And if you read that text, Joshua 10, 25, it it simply says that these are the enemies of God. They were the enemies of God. And man, I'm just really thankful I'm not an enemy of God. I'm not. But the, the, just as real as it is that I am not an enemy of God, I see this verse. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we were glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet, uh, when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will not one die, yet preadventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. 
but God commendeth his love towards us. Now, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through time. For if, when we were enemies. So just as real that we are not enemies, it's real that we were enemies. Now picture with me one more time. One more, one more picture and we're going to get out of here. Picture you're at war. Put yourself back in 10, 1,000 B.C., 1,087 B.C. is when they believe this war took place. Put yourself in those shoes. You've got your, your sandals on. you got your leather. you got your, your strapping in. you got your sword. you got your helmet. You're going to war, and you know that the God of Israel is on the other side. You know he's coming. You've heard what he's done. You heard about Ai. You heard about Jericho. You heard about these things. You know that defeat is about to go down, and you're about to be on the side of it. You're strapping up, and all of a sudden someone taps you on the shoulder, and they say, hey, I'm from that other army. And you are an enemy. You're an enemy not just of me. You're an enemy of God. 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 Let's get back into it. You're an enemy of God. But see, I'm going to do something for you. This doesn't make any sense. You're, you're an enemy of God. We, we hate each other. You're, you're pagan, terrible. I'm going to let you come on this side. And instead of fighting and being destroyed and being utterly destroyed and spending eternity in hell and getting what you deserve for some reason that I don't understand, some reason that they don't understand, some reason that nobody understands, they allowed you to go to the other side and fight for God while you were an enemy. You were an enemy. Some of us need to remember that we were enemies. We were we deserved to be slaughtered as these, these, these nations were. That's what we deserve. That's the reality of our situation until Jesus Christ. And the reality was, I don't know if these guys could have switched sides. I don't, think, I don't think that's how it went, but we can. And because of Jesus, the text just read, because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, we get to celebrate. I'm so excited for in two weeks. We get to celebrate that. Because of that, we are no longer enemies but we were. So what's the point of this message? Why, why did I just, this was, what? remember where you were, remember where you are now, and remember the God who was there for it all. He was there for it all. While we were enemies, Christ died for us. I'm very thankful not to be an enemy of God anymore. I'm very thankful. I hope you are too. Let's bow our heads, stand. We're gonna pray. Let's pray together, and then we're going to worship as we close tonight. Father, we love you. Lord, I thank you for this message. Lord, there's no God like you. Lord, I thank you for uh, this message that, Lord, uh, Lord, help me tonight, and I need it. Lord, I pray that we would take it with us here. God, I pray that we would see you high and lifted up tonight. You are worthy. God, you are holy. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that we're no longer enemies, Father, that you've reconciled us. Lord, bless, Lord, this message. May we take it home.